Hello, and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia, from Diokis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, my pronouns are he, him. Actually, today we have a bit of an announcement before we start the podcast. Yes, that's right. We were contacted by the very nice people of Nobles Oblige to shout out their new podcast, where they'll be rating and reviewing all the Nobel Prize winners from the beginning until they run out of people. That sounds so exciting. I love the history of the Nobel laureates, so I can't wait to listen, honestly. Yes, it's very interesting. They just uh, put out their first introductory episode and the one on Alfred Nobel, so go over and give them a listen. They're also in the Rexypod family, and it's becoming very quickly a Rexypod urban settlement. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, when this comes out, they probably will have some more episodes out, so, you know, go check it out. We'll put their links on the episode description, so you can all find them. Okay, so let's get into the episode proper. Today's episode is episode 10, if you can believe it. We're Reach double digits at long last. Woo, double digits! We only need to wait until the series ends for triple digits, but so far, double digits is good enough. Goodness, <laughs> that gives me kind of a dizzying sensation. That's so many <laughs> yeah, episodes. Yeah, we did a good bit. I think we're past half of the first section, so we're doing well. We haven't collapsed yet, so that's neat. And today's episode also marks our entry into the period of history that I knew very, very little about. Like Before, I knew about it mostly through Herodotus, because I'd studied Herodotus. But afterwards, it's the part where nobody really pays attention anymore, so... Oh, Herodotus is gone! What are we going to do now? The only reliable source that was very unreliable. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll be stuck with Tejas for a little while, and then, well... We'll find out. There's plenty of people, it's fine. But Herodotus is always sad to see him go. But let's get started with Artaxerxes the first, because there's going to be a significant number of Artaxerxes. First of all, let's quickly recap what happened in the last episode of Xerxes the first. So last time Xerxes set about consolidating his empire, He sent an expedition into Greece to try and take it over, but unfortunately was defeated by the locals and pushed back into the Asian heart of the empire and lost all the territories that they had in Europe. And Xerxes also set about embellishing all of the uh, several capitals of the empire, chief among them Persepolis, which had a series of beautiful palaces built within it. But at the end, unfortunately, Xerxes was murdered by his head of the guard called Artabanus. And that is where we left off, with a mystery of why Artaxerxes' elder brother Darius isn't succeeding to the throne. What's going on? We'll find out. Ooh, true, true. So, because there is technically more heirs, so just killing the current king doesn't immediately make you king. It just makes you a murderer. Surprise. Yes, exactly. You Um, need to get rid of all the heirs to ensure that it works out. uh Uh-huh. So that's what we're gonna do? Yes, today we'll find out what happens in the aftermath of killing a king when you're the new king. (laughs) What is going to happen? Do you live for a long time or do you just disappear in five seconds? We'll see. Oof. Okay, let's see. Okay, so Artaxerxes himself was born in around 483 BC 
as the son of Xerxes and his wife, Amestris. And just like his father, it's a little bit unclear if he took a new name or if he was always <laughs> called Artaxerxes, but it seems to be that his original name may have been Cyrus after his great-grandfather. Oh, okay. Then why change it? That's why it might be a bit weird, but maybe it could be out of respect, like how no pope is Peter mm. II. Eh. Oh, interesting. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense, but... Apparently, he later chose Artaxerxes, which means he whose reign is through truth. Okay. Which is a pretty cool name. I think it works out. I personally yeah. prefer reigning over heroes that Xerxes had, but Artaxerxes works too. Uh, you know, it's still a good meaning. It would be very funny if Darius <laughs> had been called Artaxerxes. Yes. I mean, he is kind of hypocritical that way, constantly repeating that he is... Oh, yes, I am the friend of truth. I never tell lies. Everything that I say is great. And, oh, I respect people who tell lies. Well, honestly, this is how the whole Median Empire started, with Diokes being like, trust me, <laughs> I am the king. I am so the king, you, you cannot believe how king I am. I mean, generally, if you're in power, you're going to have to tell some lies to get through. <laughs> so, good lesson for today, kids. Right, so... What do we know about his life? Yes, so Artaxerxes not only has a name, but he is also our first king, which has a nickname, Ooh. which is given to him by the Greeks. Oh, of course. So, mm. And he is called Makrokeir, okay. which means long-handed. And this has been interpreted in two ways. Either symbolically, in the sense that he has a far reach, mm -hmm. because, well, he controls the Achaemenid Empire, it's big, he can go anywhere. Or others have talked about it literally, Basically saying that his right hand or his right arm was longer than the other. Uh, okay. Which is a potential medical condition, so... Mm. I don't... You, One of the two. I got very excited when you said he had a nickname, because that always tells us a lot about the person, given, like, if his family called him that, or if historians call him that. But the fact that it was given by the Greeks immediately makes me go, hmm, probably not something good then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not ideal. It's... But yeah, so we have that Artaxerxes passes his youth quite calmly. Nothing too much happens. We don't hear of much during his father's reign. Artaxerxes is born three years before the great Greek expedition. Mm -hmm. And he grows up as any other Achaemenid prince. As we mentioned before, he has two elder brothers. One who is called Darius and another who is called Histaspes. Right. And... The expectation is that, well, even though the firstborn isn't a hard and fast rule, but we're expecting that Darius is going to succeed. His father, be Darius II. Yeah, it's kind of like it happened with Xerxes himself. Like, his brother, even though he was older, didn't get to rule because Xerxes was the first one born when Darius was a king, and therefore somehow more legitimate. Mm -hmm. Did anything like this happen with Artaxerxes and his brothers? Not exactly, because... To get to how the succession works, we need to go on that faithful night of August 465 BC. Oh, we have a, an actual date. Date-ish, but yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I see. Basically, as we mentioned last time, Xerxes was murdered by his captain of the guard, a man called Artabanus, mm -hmm. in collaboration with Megabizus, son of Zapyrus, son of Megabizus. Eh, Megabite. That whole family there. Excellent. Yes. Megabyte the second Excellent. is now collaborating to murder the king. So good. But then things start to get a little bit confusing after the immediate murder. As they usually tend to do. 
Yes, exactly. Because it seems that Artabanus wanted to get his family onto the throne, or at least himself somehow, by entirely destroying the Achaemenid dynasty. That's usually what you would do, right? If you can't marry yeah, you don't want to leave into any dangling the family, heirs. you'd rather let go of the family altogether so there's no contestant. Yeah, or at least any male members of the family that yes. could potentially overthrow you. But what happens is a little bit strange because it seems that perhaps Artaxerxes caught on that there was this plot. And so Artabanus went up to Artaxerxes and told him, Oh, my prince, my prince, a terrible thing has happened. Your brother, Darius, murdered your father, Xerxes. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, no. We need to get things in order really quickly. You need to act fast to gain the throne. Otherwise, your brother Darius is going to kill you as well. <gasps> Ooh. And so Artaxerxes, scared about what's going to happen, is like, oh no, I don't know what's going on. I'm an 18-year-old. Uh, someone just told me I might die. I'm scared. Yeah. Yeah. He just goes up to his brother Darius and has him murdered. Uh, great. The motive that Artabanus had by saying, oh, Darius was killed your father, was essentially that, if you remember, Darius's wife had an affair with Xerxes himself. Right. So Artabanus says, ah, it's because of this affair that your brother killed your father. So, ah, now you need to take over and kill him. Honestly, if we are to believe that story, which came from Herodotus and the Greeks, to be honest, yeah, that would be a great reason to commit murder. Yeah, it's a if, good motive if you want yeah, to there. If Darius had actually been treated that badly by Xerxes. So now, for whatever reason, Artabanus decides... Okay, things didn't go perfectly. I didn't manage to kill everybody at the same time. But Artaxerxes can be my puppet. He's young. He's inexperienced. I'm the captain of the guard, so you know. Yeah, I can manipulate him and I can always have him murdered if he starts to get too independent and put a new king on the throne if I need to. We still have a third brother, right? Yes, that third brother, apparently not calculated. Uh, what? Okay. Um... Do we just not care about it? Like, does he not have a claim to the throne? What's happening? What seems is that this other brother called Histaspes yes. was at the moment a satrap off in Bactria in the far east. Mm -hmm. So probably he wasn't in the palace at the time. So he didn't manage to act fast. You know, whatever happened was just what happened. So when he got the news, oh, Xerxes is dead. Oh, your brother's made himself king and controls the captain of the guard and the armies. It's like, oh. Okay, okay, fine. Well, I guess. So now that Artaxerxes is on the throne, mm -hmm. and he is relatively secure, he starts to hear some rumors going around that Artabanus is going to murder him and take the throne for himself. Oh, so, you know, someone actually caught on to the truth. Yes, exactly. So Artaxerxes tries to listen around the court to hear if there's anybody that might be able to support him against Artabanus. Mm-hmm. And one person comes up, and that is Megabizus, who also had helped murder Xerxes, but Artaxerxes doesn't know this. Yeah, obviously. And Megabizus isn't telling him, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, as you wouldn't, you know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, poor Artaxerxes. Like, the only person that he's yeah. trusting right now is also a conspirator, so... Oof. Yeah, it's not ideal, but hey... And in exchange for helping, it seems that Megabizus was 
given Artaxerxes' sister in marriage. So, progress that way. Mm -hmm. But, okay, now they need to kill the captain of the guard. So what do they do? So they've definitely, they're like, yes, this is happening. This guy is dangerous. We need to get rid of him. Yeah, exactly. All right. They both go to face Artabanus and attack him together. So in the struggle, Artabanus manages to wound the king. Right. But Artaxerxes himself manages to personally strike down Artabanus shortly after he is wounded. Ooh, so is he dead? Yes. So Captain we do of not Guard get is an... gone. Okay, I thought we would get an Artabanus episode, but we're not. No, the murder plot went wrong. Well, this plan misfired. And... Yes, and it Absolutely. went so wrong that in the next days, Megabizus went over to kill all of Artabanus's family including the eunuch Mithridates from last time, I who see. let Artabanus into the bedroom. Oh, no. And so he kills all his sons and managed to do that, but was actually kind of seriously injured himself. Mm. Micabizus, I mean. Yes. However, he managed to recover from his wounds and okay. That's... live a long, fulfilling life okay, that will this... put <laughs> This is so much, because, like, Megabysus knew about the plot and supported the plot of Artabanus trying to take the throne. Like, he actually... How did he help, exactly? Did he just know and say nothing, or...? It's unclear. It oh. just says that he was in on the plan, so... Oh, okay. So yeah, we just know that he, he somehow... He helped bribe knew. people away. We don't know. So. That's hilarious. He was like, yeah, cool. That'd be great. And then when Artaxerxes is like hey, I have no one I can trust, please help, and then actually managed to wound Arctobanus, then Megabyte <laughs> is like, oh heck, well, might as well finish the job and do as if nothing happened here. Might as well remove any surviving witnesses. Yep. That might come to haunt me later. Oof. So there we go. And this could be one of two things. Either it's Artaxerxes, who is a precocious teenager competently taking control of the situation, after a very risky period. Or potentially, if you were of a malicious mind like I am, <laughs> you could suggest that perhaps Artaxerxes needed help getting rid of a popular heir, and once Darius was dead and Xerxes was dead, mm -hmm. Artaxerxes had an interest in removing the only witness who was the captain of the guard. Yeah. Who, I mean, it was also who wanted the throne for himself, I assume, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's always Or, there. wait, is Megabyte, sorry, Megabyte <laughs> going to be our next king? You'll have to find out. But, okay, hear me out, because this is my story. theory. Because, like, if he actually ends up becoming king, then maybe it was his plan, mm -hmm. you know. Well, it might be. And so he plotted it with Arctobanus, but then was like, well... He's dead now because the rumor spread. Even, like, maybe he spread the rumor because... Okay, okay, this is the this is the theory. <laughs> so, he plotted this with Arctobanus, and he was like, hey, I'll be king, and, like, you help me, and I'll give you like, a pay raise, I'll put you, like, my right hand, we can rule together. And Arctobanus was like, cool, 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 I have this eunuch that I can recommend to the king who's looking for a new chamberlain. And then he does that, and then Megabyte... <laughs> Megabyses... <laughs> is like, okay, but I don't actually trust the captain of the guard because obviously he wants the throne for himself. So once he has assassinated the king, then I only have to tell people that he has assassinated the king and then he will be assassinated and then I can be on the throne. Like That would be a good plan. Excellent. We'll see if you guessed correctly 
or not. But yes, Megabizus is going to be a key character in the rest of the episode. So now, in this little bit of turmoil with the murder of... Lots of people dead. Artabanus so and many people his family. Dead. Yes. We still need one more person to die. <laughs> because Histaspes, ah, yes, the brother. brother, now is in Bactria and raises his army. Because he sees that, oh, situations in the capital are escalating. This might be my chance to take the throne. So he raises his army. Because he cares more about the throne than about his brother, I guess. People don't yeah, seem to have very yeah. strong family connections in the royalty. Yeah, I mean, the issue is that generally you need to be sure that your brother doesn't want to murder you. But that's what- I mean, I am pretty sure that my own brother doesn't want to murder me. I guess, but what if you didn't know? If you have no certainty and you could possibly be murdered at any moment, I guess. then the idea is that if you strike first, then you're safe. Uh, yeah, but I guess we're not the ruling kind of people. if you the other person, you could be stabbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you have, like, an obscene amount of power and wealth in the balance, then that might happen. Yeah, my and also, mind... even if you're not power-hungry, you don't know that the other person isn't power-hungry. So that's yeah. always a risk that you need to consider. I feel like I have a very different mindset. <laughs> but that makes sense. I mean, that's good. I'm glad you do. I'm glad you wouldn't murder your family for the family plot of land, but yeah. Yeah, I'm a good person, you know? <laughs> I don't murder people or dream of murdering people just to gain power. But yeah, so Estaspes raises his revolt in Bactria, but Artaxerxes sends a few generals that way. We can assume Megabizus. And there's a first battle, which is a draw, but then a second one fully defeats Hystaspes and has him killed. Hmm. So, victory. Hey, hooray. Artaxerxes has managed to survive the uncertain period of... Yeah, he was thrown his into having to and rule and murdered his two brothers and then had Megabyces murder the whole family of the head of the guard who, to be fair, wanted the throne for himself. Or so the rumor said, because yeah. he absolutely murdered... Xerxes, so. Yeah. We have a whole family tree dead, so or at there. least the male part of that family tree, and the whole descendants of Xerxes dead, except for, you know, the king. Yes. The dynasty is pretty thin at the moment. Alright, I'm also interested to see where the wives are going to go and what's going to happen with, like, those relationships. So. Yes, this is also a wife-intense episode. So. <laughs> wife-intense. Excellent. The wife episode. And after all of this mess, Artaxerxes gets a letter from Greece. It's from Themistocles. Remember the Athenian admiral yes. who wrote to Xerxes? <laughs> the traitor who then was like, oh no, totally a trap, t totally trying to help the Greeks, but then also like, maybe not. Very exactly. shifty. So he sends a letter to Artaxerxes saying, hey, heard you're a new king. I just got exiled from Athens. Remember that time Wanna I hang tried out? to betray my people for Athens? Can I come over and crash with you guys? Oh, okay. I don't know if I want a snake in the castle. These kind of people, like, of course they can be helpful, but they can be as helpful as a very difficult to dose poison. Because they are willing to help as long as it helps them. And if they can betray their people, they can betray you as well, so... 
you know. Yeah, this is a, a bit of an issue, but Artaxerxes lets Themistocles come into the palace and meet him. They speak together, and it seems that Artaxerxes believed Themistocles. He believed that Themistocles was actually okay. willing to shift sides during uh, the war under Xerxes. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know what, Themistocles, you're a capable general. You have been loyal to my family. So what I'm going to do is give you the honorary title of King's Friend. And then he made him a governor of a satrapy in Asia Minor. Oh, where Themistocles successfully protected the empire from Greek attacks. Well, that's really good. I'm sorry I judged him incorrectly. Apparently, (laughs) he actually cared about the Persians. So that's excellent. Yeah, and it worked out well for everybody. Themistocles gets to live a cushy life despite being exiled, while Artaxerxes gets to have a satrap that knows how the Greeks fight and can suitably defend against them on his border. So that's nice. Excellent. Yeah, so now that we have Themistocles, we also have more news from Athens. Hooray! How are they doing over there? Apparently, Athenian ships have been sighted off the coast of Egypt. (laughs) Ah, fun. How's Egypt doing? Are they (laughs) rebelling again or not? Well, in 460 BC, the Libyan king Inarus led an independence revolt in Egypt and overthrew the local Persian satrap. Inarus sends letters to Athens saying, Hey, you recently defeated the Achaemenids. Could you send us some help, please? (laughs) The Athenians say, Yay, we get to fight the Achaemenids! And they send (laughs) a bunch of great ships. I love that now... This is like that Spider-Man meme of like from Into the Spider-Verse, where it's like me trying to learn from the pro and the pro just like not knowing what the hell they're doing. <laughs> Everyone's turning yes. to the Greeks like, hey, you defeated them. Teach us how you did it. And the Greeks are like, what, what? what do we tell them? Like, we, don't, we don't know what. We defeated we them by accident. <laughs> yeah, so everybody is trusting the Athenians and the Athenians send their fleet over to Egypt and they win a great victory against... The Achaemenid fleet. Oh, the Athenians really do have something, I guess. Yeah, they are reasonably skilled. I'm sorry, I'm so salty about, like, they just don't know what they're doing. (laughs) It's pure luck. They're terrible warriors, but just destiny. (laughs) Like, of course, I believe, obviously, there was something about their strategy that was messing with Persian strategy. Probably that was it. So Artaxerxes decides, okay, what is the best way to fight Athens? Hmm, Megabysis. Would you mind going on holiday to Sparta for a moment? I just need you to ask them a question. (gasps) We're going to talk to the Spartans? Yes. And Megabysus takes a fast ship to Sparta and says, Hey Spartans, do you want to fight the Athenians? Yes! (laughs) Let's go! This is more classic. Unfortunately, the Spartans say, Nah, we're not into it. Oh, come on. Fight your own battles. We're busy. Sorry. Honestly, in true Spartan fashion. It's like, not our war. It's very on brand. We have this religious festival going on. And like next week is my brother's wedding again. And, you know. Too much trouble. We don't like this. This is very funny. Because like in the movie 300, the main guys against the Persians are the Spartans, right? Like the heroes, quote unquote, are the Spartans. Yes. But like one, as we learned on last episode, they didn't really join until the very last minute. And only because the Athenians literally shook them by the shoulders and were like... guys (laughs) but also spartan and athens are enemies they're sort of enemies they are part of the same empire but like they don't like each other i mean they're not really part of the same empire because the greeks don't 
They don't care about okay. each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like a unified state. Everybody's just Ooh, doing their own thing. Okay, okay. And yeah, the Spartans don't like the Athenians much, mostly because they were kicked out of the Hellenic League right now. Ah, uh, yes. Because of the war crimes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. The unspoken war crimes. And also, several city-states, including Sparta, are starting to get annoyed at Athens for building their own empire. Yeah. They're saying, wait, we fought with you guys to repel an empire and now you're building one what does this mean you're hypocrites yeah but i feel like i know of the rivalry like it's not full-on you know constant wars but i know of the rivalry of spartan athens so it's just yes we'll get to see it all the way to its bloody end excellent i was hoping we would get a little bit of that here but i guess they don't want to fight for the persians for no reason no they don't want to fight to defend egypt anyway Hmm. but yeah so when this Egyptian revolt starts, according to Tejas, Artaxerxes wanted to lead this invasion himself. But his companion said, no, 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 I mean, the situation is already dangerous enough. Let's ensure that you're home at the capital, overseeing things. You can send your brother, Achaemenides. Achaemenides? So, of the Achaemenides? Apparently this brother was called Achaemenides of the Achaemenid family. That's excellent. Of the Galileo-Galilei school of <laughs> yes, naming children. of naming. So who's brother? Artaxerxes' brother. Okay. What? Didn't we kill the brothers? It might have been a half-brother. I, I was and going to tell you to cut this out, us. but now you have to leave it in because I'm so confused. I thought we got through all the brothers. I <laughs> yes, thought there I... were three. Now we have another one? So three are definitely all the brothers from the same mother. Okay. Achaemenides might be a half-brother, might mm, not be. Tejas okay. might just be confused. It's so, Tejas. Let's just assume it's fine, yeah. So, you know, totally Achaemenides of the Achaemenids. So, Achaemenides leads the expedition all the way into Egypt, where he meets Inaros in battle. Oh. But there it goes terribly. Oh no. As his army is defeated, and Achaemenides himself is fatally wounded. Ooh. Bad. Hey, you really need to take care of these Athenians. It seems like they know how to fight you, and you don't know how to fight them. Guys. This was why Darius wanted to wipe it off the face of the earth to start with before they caused problems. Yeah, no. he might have been onto something. Heck. The man with the yeah. big eyes in the dream was right. Xerxes yeah. had to fight Athens. So at this point, the Libyans then send back Achaemenides' body to the capital. They're reasonably honorable about mm-hmm. that. They just say, okay, fine. Was your general, member of the royal family, fine, just leave us alone. But Artaxerxes pulls out his secret weapon, Ooh. who has been loyally helping him all along, our friend Megabizus. Ah, yes. Who doesn't have any hunger for power himself, clearly. Oh, Megabizus is chill. So Megabizus is sent over as a commander in Egypt, and he meets Inaris in battle again. And he manages not only to defeat the Libyan and Athenian combined army in 456... Ooh but also personally wound King Inaros in the thigh, forcing him to flee all the way to the city of Byblos in Egypt. Not the Phoenician one, not to be confused. Well, so it looks like Megabysus knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's quite capable. And he's not only just good at fighting, but he starts to besiege the city of uh, Byblos, where Inaros has Mm -hmm. held himself up. So he chased him all the way there. Yes, managed to chase him all the way there. 
and he decides to make a deal with him. Oh. So he says, if you and your men surrender, then none of you are going to be harmed. You can go free. It's going to be okay, as if nothing happened. Deal? That's very kind of Megabysis. I don't know if I trust yeah. him. But very Cyrus-y of him. Yeah. And Inara says, okay, fair enough deal. I know when I'm defeated. Sure, I'll take it. Great. And Megabysis sends a letter home to Artaxerxes saying, Hey boss, I defeated the Egyptians. Egypt is now solidly back into the empire. By the way, I promised Inaris that I wouldn't harm him, so just keep that in mind for the future. Okay, thanks. Great. And Artaxerxes says, yeah, yeah, sounds great. Good job getting Egypt back into the empire. Megabizes. Congratulations. Again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How many rebellions has it been already with Egypt? Uh, this is the second Egyptian rebellion. There have been... Oh, no, no. wait, three, considering the Darius one. Yes, yeah. it's been a while. We've e gone Egypt back and very forth to Egypt. Place. I mean, they are far away, so, like, you yeah. can't... You know, it's easy to just post some yeah. people there, and if those get overthrown, that it takes a while until you get there. So Yeah, exactly. However, a person who isn't happy with the steel is Artaxerxes' mother, Amestris who was very angry that Inaros was not going to be punished for killing her son, Achaemenides. So she's not very happy, and she begged right. Artaxerxes to kill him anyway. Artaxerxes said, hey, no, my friend Megabizus said that he gave his word. I can't just break it like that. A deal's a deal. We're not doing this. Yeah, because then Megabizus would be, you know, in trouble, because then what's your word worth if you can't actually deliver yeah, exactly. and then the whole like diplomatic things would it would just get very messy but i get it from the mother of Achaemenides. but also i guess people were just more murdery back then because i don't know i feel like I feelings guess. are feelings yeah yeah and also this is from tejas and he is living a few generations down the line in a situation very similar to this so I can imagine Ooh. that he's probably projecting, <laughs> but I don't uh, know. So I we'll see. see. Interesting. Back in the court, Artaxerxes gets a chance to rule a little bit and be chill. And it seems that by all accounts, as we saw from the Themistocles story, he was a mild and reasonable man, even though he came to the throne as an 18-year-old. He managed to be right. relatively well-adjusted. So yeah. that's cool. I'm proud of him. Because he yeah. didn't have it easy. It started really chaotically. Yeah, exactly. So, However, the Greeks tend to slander him and generally accuse him a lot of being commanded by the woman in his court, like we saw for Xerxes. Because, well, the Greeks cannot fathom that somebody is taking advice from a woman, of all people. So this seems like, ah, look at him, this corrupt Eastern monarch who is being dominated mm. by women of all people. Ugh, terrible. Yeah, the same emasculating bull that we find constantly. Yeah, exactly. And key among these women are his mother, Amestris, which we just mentioned before, the one who wants to kill Inaris, and his sister, Amitis, who is the wife of Megabizus. So, big old happy family. <laughs> well, you know, we're missing some <laughs> brothers, but we're, eh, we're getting know, it's them. It's fine. Now it's a happy family. <laughs> yeah. Renewed. Yes. Also, on his own private terms, Artaxerxes married a woman called Damaspia and had a son called Xerxes with her. Q 
cute little baby Xerxes who will one day take the throne if nothing goes wrong. Uh-huh. Another Xerxes. Yes. Also, Artaxerxes gets to replenishing the genetic stores of the family by having yes. 17 other sons wow. from a series okay. of different concubines Busy. he has. <sighs> yes. I guess that counts. Yeah, you know, if you can, why not? And among these children, I'd like to point out a few that you'll have to remember, which are Sogdianus and Ocus, mm-hmm. and also a female, a woman, called Parizatis. <gasps> a woman? Woman, yes. And so are all the sons, no matter from which concubine or wife, equally legitimate, or only the sons of the official wife are legitimate to, like, you know, ascend to the throne? How does it work? Yes, so we'll have more detail on this in later episode, but to just quickly let you know, uh, the idea is that the children of wives come first, and then the children of concubines are at the end of that list. So if there's no more children of wives, then the children of concubines take over. They're not exactly bastards, because that, or at least in English, that carries connotations of something being morally gray they are still legitimate children yeah but they're just of a lesser rank yeah okay because you can have several concubines but you can also have several wives yes generally you can have several wives several concubines generally one of your wives is the chief wife and she's the mother of the heir to the throne because i imagine in like royal settings you need some kind of rank to you know figure out succession so yeah exactly But we'll have a whole big thing on what harems are and how they work in two episodes, I think. Yes, because of reasons. But yes, so Artaxerxes was having a nice time and ruling peacefully all the way in Iran until he gets news from Athens again. Because in 450 BC, Athens decided to launch an expedition against the island of Cyprus to try and restore their honor after the Egyptian defeat. Oh, God damn it, Athens. Not again. <laughs> They're getting yes, the bored. Athenians have decided they These like Athenians. empires and they want to make one. Athens is back and has sent a large fleet under the command of an Athenian general and politician called Simon. <laughs> okay. Yes. Hey, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> who is trying to invade Cyprus and use that as a launching point for another attack on Egypt to further weaken the Achaemenid Empire. We cannot catch a break, huh? No, we cannot. Simon, when he's all ready for the departure from Athens with his big fleet, he has a dream. A weird dream. Because there's apparently an angry dog barking at him. And this Mm -hmm. dog is saying... Go your way, because you will be a friend to both me and my puppies. Uh, Okay, first of all, that's not barking. But second of all, yay, we're back to dreams. And third of all, go away, because you're a friend or a threat? A friend. So you're a friend, but go away? Simon is also confused. Okay. Yes, Simon is also confused, and he consults... A wise friend of his. And the friend says, this dream is probably a prediction of death. <laughs> you know. Because reasons. He says, because the dog is an enemy of the person it's barking at. So there we go. 
And the best way to be a friend to your enemy is by dying. That is so obtuse. I love that it's like, oh yeah, this definitely means you're dying. It's like when now you have a small cough or a small like pain in your like <laughs> left side and you Google and it's immediately like, oh yes, you have a tumor. Yes, it's a horrible thing. Yeah. And also another thing is that the mixed barking and talking means that Simon is going to die while fighting barbarians. <laughs> because their army is a mix between Greeks and barbarians. So it's uh-huh. is partially understandable and partially not. So there we bar, go. Bar, 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 I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, weirdly, during a sacrifice to Dionysus, a swarm of ants took the blood of the victim to Simon's big toe. Okay, very specific. Also, yay, sacrifices to Dionysus. I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with some wine instead of... You know, That'd be better. Yeah, don't sacrifice living things. That's not fun. No. And also the priest there showed Simon that the liver of the sacrificed animal was incomplete. So a lot of weird oh. omens of death okay. and destruction, but Simon has committed to the expedition, so he goes through with it. Uh-huh. And Simon goes all the way to Cyprus, and he manages to actually defeat the Achaemenid fleet. But then, at that point, he either died of disease or from a wound while he was oh. besieging a city on Cyprus itself. So Artaxerxes sees this as a bit of an opportunity, because without their admiral, things seem to have stalled in Athens. So Artaxerxes sent his friend Megabyzus as an yes. ambassador out, all the way to Athens to negotiate a peace. And the Athenians sent a man called Callias to Susa to talk terms. Right. So in the winter of 449-448, a peace was concluded. A peace that is called the Peace of Callias by the Athenian ambassador. And the result is a compromise. It's not great for either mm. party, but it's all right. Well, as peace treaties usually go, right? Yeah, but with Athens being so much smaller than you, it's a bit uh, yeah. Persia's not doing great. Yeah, Athens guarantees that they won't interfere in Cyprus and Egypt and the Ionian cities, so the cities on the coast of Anatolia. While in the meantime, Artaxerxes promises that he won't send armies or fleets west of the Halys River. Hmm. If you remember, that was the old border between the Median Empire and the Lydian Empire. Yeah, established in like episode one. Yeah, so most of Anatolia is essentially off-limits to any Achaemenid mm. armies or fleets. Yes. So, you know, it's nice that you have a peace that the Athenians aren't going to attack you anymore, but it's kind of embarrassing that you can't send armies where you want in your own country. Yeah. So Not, n- not mm. great, actually. Yeah, so it's not ideal. Megabysis could have done better. Or why can't we just fight the Athenians? Is Cyprus ours? I eat Cyprus protein. is ours now. It's, yes. It's, then why aren't we not fighting? Are we scared now of the Athenians? We are, yes. <laughs> Essentially. Oh, no! Yeah, the consensus seems to be that Xerxes spent so much money and energy trying to defeat the Athenians. We're not going to try and do that again. We've accepted that these are the borders badly. of our empire. It's annoying. We're going to try alternative means. You know, if we can get the Spartans to fight the Athenians, great. (laughs) But That would be excellent. I hope it happens. But we still had some uh, threads that were left loose. I'm going to make a bingo. Good. (laughs) Because back at home, five years after the revolt in Egypt, Amestris, Artaxerxes' mother, kept pestering her son 
to let her have revenge for the death of her son, Achaemenides. Come on, I want to kill this man. Please give me this yes. man. I want to kill him. And finally, after five years of pestering, Artaxerxes finally says, okay, you know what? Sure, whatever. Take the guy and 50 of the Greek hostages that he had with him. Kill them all. I don't care. No, no, but Megabysus is word. Exactly. So Amestris takes these people and impales Inaros and beheads all the Greek hostages. <laughs> and as you mentioned, Megabysus gets news of this. And he says, mm. wait, I thought we had a deal. I made a deal with this guy. I promised him I gave him my word. And now you broke my word for me? Yeah. What are you doing? What? Like, I know you're king of kings, king over kings, and I'm not even a king, but, like, that, uh, you can't send me out in, like, conquering slash diplomatic missions and then undo what I did. Kind of jeopardizes the whole, you know, doing it in the future thing. Yeah, it jeopardizes his authority, and yeah. it's a mess. It's just insulting him. So Megabizus decides to go the extreme route. He rises up in rebellion in Syria. He takes his loyal men that he's been leading all across the empire, and he, and he rebels. <gasps> no. This is the final straw? Yes, Impressive. Exactly. Megabizus has had it. That's it. So Artaxerxes is concerned. <laughs> yeah. So he sends a general with an army to try and capture Megabizus, or at least defeat him. Mm-hmm. And there we have a great battle between the Loyalists and Megabyzus' troops. Mm. And Megabyzus himself fights personally with, with the Loyalist general. And both of them are injured. Megabyzus gets a spear wound in his thigh, two fingers deep. Oof. But Megabyzus manages to personally wound the Loyalist general in the same way, but knocking him off his horse as well. Hmm. And so, at this site, the battle starts to turn in Megabizus' favor. And Megabizus captures the loyalist general who had fallen on the ground and manages to win the battle and is victorious. Right. Good. However, Megabizus, as we saw, is an honorable man. And having captured this general, he decides to keep him safe and then send him back to Artaxerxes unharmed. So, okay. good news. Yeah, excellent. Or at you least know, for they... Megabizus. And at this point, you couldn't attach bombs to people, so, you know. No, it's fine. Yes, it's not booby-trapped. Mm -hmm. But Artaxerxes decides, okay, damn it, I need to send another general. And he sends his own brother. Another apparently unnamed brother that was How just many there. What is happening? It's unclear. You said three. We're at five now, and that's only male yes. siblings. He just keeps pulling out brothers from everywhere. Not sure where he gets them, but hey. So... Again, a new battle between Artaxerxes' brother and Megabizus. This time, again, Megabizus manages to win, and he manages to wound Artaxerxes' brother in the shoulder and also give him a glancing blow to the head. So, injured brother. So at this point, Artaxerxes is starting to panic a little bit. Mm -hmm. Things aren't great, and he doesn't want to lose his throne to Megabizus, who was a very capable man and could probably do it. Come on, Artaxerxes, you should have thought about this. Like, you rely on Megabizus so much, and then you broke his word, and like, of course I'm- like... I have the theory that he already wanted the throne, and like, he could have just been looking for an excuse for it, but it's just bad strategizing. It's a bad idea. He's helping you so much, and he obviously relies on this 
way of finding agreement and like just man why but to be fair this whole episode <laughs> i've been yeah. rooting more for megabises than for artaxerxes because he hasn't really done that much yeah megabises is, is cool i like him he's nice mm. But yes, so Artaxerxes needs to negotiate. So who does he send? Well, he sends his sister, Amitis, who is Megabytes' wife, and says, oh, yeah, okay. Dear husband, please don't overthrow my brother. I would rather have him alive. I'll send you one that you can't kill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it seems that Megabytes is softened by this approach, and Megabytes says, okay, fine. But tell Artaxerxes that next time he has to respect my deals and that I need to be unharmed. Yeah. At which point, okay. Megabizus also gets a guarantee from Amestris, so Artaxerxes' mother, yes. who ended up killing Inaris. And in the end, Megabizus is convinced enough that he lays down his arms okay. and says, Okay, fine, Artaxerxes, I'll come so back to court to peacefully. It'll be okay. Because in the end, they're all family now, so... Yeah, they're all family. We know how well everybody treats family here. Yeah. yeah. So this peace with Megabizus manages to buy Artaxerxes some peace time during which he can do some more administration. Mm. So back in Iran proper, Artaxerxes finished the throne hall in Persepolis that Xerxes had started and didn't manage to finish. Right. And also since in Susa, Xerxes' palace had burned down, mm -hmm. Artaxerxes built a smaller one to the south of the city oh, as a replacement. Nice. Which, you know, always nice to have. Some things. Yeah, however, this is also essentially showing that the golden age is starting... To lose a bit of its oh, luster. Oh no. The, the thing I've been fearing all along is happening. <laughs> what are we losing? Yeah. We don't have all of the details, but it seems that Artaxerxes only has 20 satrapies, mm -hmm. which is a significant reduction compared to those of Darius and Xerxes. So what happened? Apart from, you know, Athens doing this, like, shifty peace treaty with Megabyte and... But, like, what did we lose? We put down the rebellion in Egypt, so they are still there. Yeah, I mean, Artaxerxes hasn't lost anything massive, but it seems that he's consolidating a lot of the smaller satrapies on the edge of the empire. Mm -hmm. And it looks like some of the edges are starting to slip away mm -hmm. a little bit. So he's doing what he can. Yeah, we also don't get much news from India mm -hmm. anymore. So it's likely that... Maybe they took advantage of a dangerous situation and the inhabitants of that satrapy told Artaxerxes, hey, what if we just pay you a bit less taxes and we govern ourselves? You don't have to send a governor. It'll be more convenient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now Artaxerxes still said, paying. Yeah, and, you know, what's he going to do? Is he going to send an army and yeah. fight them while everything is unstable and there's the Greeks and there's Megabizes and you there's revolts? You have to make compromises. Yeah, he's going to say, sure, whatever. You can consider yourself independent. Just send me some money. Mm -hmm. As long as it's something, I'll accept it. So we can see that things aren't going great. And Artaxerxes is trying to hold things together, but he's no Darius or Xerxes. Mm -hmm. And also, he can't stop getting into fights with Megabyzus. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Because he just tells us a nice story. Because... Yeah. Again, one reason, because of my theory, but even if you think that Megabyzus genuinely tried to support him and everything, he's just being a little... Eh. You know? Using Megabyzus for everything yeah. just to fix all his important problems, but then not actually making his life any easier because he keeps getting in his way, so... I understand. Yeah, it's not... 
Fly deal. And it seems that Artaxerxes is also a little bit concerned about this and is still doesn't fully trust Megabizes. Because the two of them were together in a lion hunt. So brief digression on that. I will put a link to a cool video by a cool person who talks about the Assyrian lion hunt. Ooh, interesting. A video by Las Plumas de Simurg. Oh, cool. We love her. Yes. Where essentially the Achaemenids had inherited this tradition from the Assyrians, it seems to be where the king would have this staged fight together with some of his companions against a lion in a sort of arena. Oh, okay. So think kind of like bullfighting, but the bull is a lion and the matador is the king. Yeah, the king is like actually participating and not just organizing this. That's weird. Why would you put your life in danger? Did he appoint an heir before this? Of course he didn't. (laughs) Doesn't seem like it. You don't do this, people. (laughs) Yeah, the idea here is that you as the king are showing how strong yeah. and powerful you are by the fact that, hey, I can single-handedly kill this lion. And also, since it's a staged fight, the idea is that you have enough companions around that it's very unlikely that you'll be killed by this lion. In fact, overall, throughout the Achaemenids, no king is killed mm-hmm. in this sort of performance. However, it seems that in this particular case, uh-huh. Artaxerxes was in a bit of trouble. He was fighting with this lion, but the lion seemed to be getting the upper hand. Uh. And Megabizus was in the arena there, trying to make sure that the king was okay and everything was fine. And at a certain point, the lion pounces towards the king, and Megabizus takes his spear and stabs the lion through the chest, killing it immediately. Yeah. Saving his king. Well, um, yeah, because you don't, again, you don't want to, the king to die in this performance. Yes. However, Artaxerxes was furious about this, because... He was extremely angry that his subject had killed the lion before him, yeah. and he ordered him to be beheaded. But, but listen, listen, it, you know, you don't want to die during this. It was kind of his job. Yeah, but maybe Artaxerxes thought, oh, it wasn't actually that bad. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, obviously. Him. I know, I, I get the annoyance. It's just like, if he hadn't done it, he might have died. And now that he did it, he's also mad because why did you jump in front of me? I had this. Yeah. I could do it. But also as a secondary downside, this is a spectacle showing that, that basically you have the skills to be king. Yeah. And Artaxerxes failed Oopsie. and Megabizus succeeded. Megabizus who just recently rebelled. Yeah. So you can understand that Artaxerxes would be concerned. Yeah. And at least for show needs to do this. Oof. Complicated. So Artaxerxes, yes, he's ordered... Megabizus to be beheaded. Ah, okay, we're going full, okay. Uh Uh-huh. This time he gets an embassy the other way because his sister Amitis and his mother Amestris begged him, please be merciful, please don't kill my husband slash son-in-law. Again, they're all family. He made a mistake, it's terrible, you can just exile him. How about that? Yeah, just send him far away. Everyone will forget about him. It's fine. Plus, he can say that he was just doing his job, like, you know. Yeah, he was actually doing his job. So Artaxerxes sighs and says, okay, fine, I'll exile him, but I don't want to ever see him again. Mm. And Megabizus is sent far away into exile. But five years later, Megabizus manages to return. Through his wife Amitis, he manages to persuade Artaxerxes that, ah, you know, it was a long time ago. Megabizus can come back. Artaxerxes apparently cooled down enough. It's been five years. That he said, okay, Megabizus, fine. You get a full amnesty, you're okay. Interesting. 
And this is also the last that we hear about Megabyzus himself. Oh. Because then it apparently seems that he retired and managed to live peacefully for the rest of his days and died at the ripe old age of 76. Wait, he's not king? Nope. Oh, come on! I vote for a Megabyzus <laughs> episode. King, but he isn't. Which, you know, this kind of was. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I'm happy that yeah. he lived a long, happy life through a lot of war and, you know, weird. I don't know if that was happy, but he lived a long life. And at least he got to retire. Yeah. Yeah, so after dealing with all the Megabyzus situation, yes. Artaxerxes gets a letter. Oh. Guess what? It's the Athenians again. And they dare to send a letter just like, hey, Luke. It's like when someone puts a, a soft tweet. It's not even a soft tweet because it's a letter to you. So it's just like they're tweeting at you like, look what we are. And this is a picture of like your house. <laughs> exactly. God. So they broke their peace treaty and attacked one of the Ionian city-states on the coast of Anatolia that was within the, the Achaean Empire. I'm sorry, but like, so they got a peace treaty that actually benefits them and they're like, oh, fuck this. I'm sorry, you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because one of the city-states under Achaemenid control, one of the Greek city-states mm -hmm. called Samos, was at war with an Athenian ally called Miletus. Miletus, I know, yeah. Yes, so Athens decided to break the peace treaty with the Achaemenids to attack Samos and defend their ally. And the Athenians managed to capture Samos and turn it into an Athenian-aligned democracy and add them to their league. Mm. At which point Artaxerxes sends a letter to his local satrap and says, okay, then take as many Athenian cities on the coast as you can since they've decided that they want to break the deal so much. Yeah. So I guess let's go after them. Yeah, exactly. And this conflict doesn't really become too large, but essentially a lot of little cities change hands between the Athenians and the Achaeans. I see. And now we do not have Megabyte to help. No, Megabyte's either exiled or dead at this point. So. Eesh. However, it seems that overall, Artaxerxes' forces seems to have the upper hand when islands are not involved. So on the Anatolian mainland, it seems that he can send his forces effectively enough. Hmm. When it has to do with fleets, it seems like the Athenians have more control of the sea. So they yeah. have the upper hand there. I see, I see. And so, yeah, this roughly goes on for about 10 years when on and off, little cities change. We don't know much about what happens in the rest of the empire because mm -hmm. the sources don't care and they don't tell us. But in 431, Artaxerxes gets two letters this time. One of them is stamped Athens and another one is stamped Sparta. <gasps> Let's go. Okay, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> because in 431, the Peloponnesian War between Sparta and Athens broke out. Yeah! And it will be a terrifying duel to the death. I get my bingo. Let me mark it. <laughs> well, it's not really bingo. It's just the one square. But, you know, let's go Athens versus yeah, Sparta. Wahoo. And what do you think the letters contain? Hey, help us against X. Hey, help us against Y. Exactly. Are the Achaemenids just going to be like, you didn't come to help us. So F you. <laughs> sort of, honestly. But also, but because... also, but also crushing Athens. Mm? Yes. Artaxerxes is faced with this question. It's like, 
Hmm, I could crush Athens, but also the Spartans were kind of dicks to me last time. Yeah. What should I do? What if you play both sides and just like make the most out of the war and be sneaky? If this were Darius, maybe. But... Sort of. He's not very far, actually. Because <gasps> Artaxerxes thinks... I am so intrigued. Okay, I don't like the Spartans because they didn't help out when they could. Mm. I don't like the Athenians because they've been meddling in my They're empire pain in the all butt. of my reign. <laughs> they've been trying to do this whole thing and I want them to be taken down a peg. So what I'm going to do is not answer anyone. I'm just going <laughs> to make sure that they both exhaust each other. And yes. then I always have the option to pick a side whenever I like. Yes. And I'll just make yes. sure they just or murder each other. Or crush them both. Crush them both when yeah, they're exactly. like in the middle of a war. Excellent. Yeah. So right now he's going to wait until everything goes to hell and he doesn't really give anybody a straight answer. Mm. There's this religious festival that's happening. <laughs> yeah, we have a religious festival all the way in Persepolis. Uh, sorry, Sparta. We'd love to join, but you know how it is. Indeed. So there we go. And... Then some time passes when all the historians are staring at the Peloponnesian War and have no idea what's happening to the East. Mm -hmm. And in 424 BC, Artaxerxes I died at about the age of 60, oh. over in well. his home, seemingly peacefully, leaving only one son from a wife called Xerxes. Right. So the succession is going to be nice and clean, and Xerxes II is going to be our episode next time. Excellent. Well, look at that. He reigned for a long time. He became king at like 18 and in a really tumultuous, random situation. And uh, he pulled through. Yeah, exactly. With some, you know, more and less, but really cool. Congrats, Artaxerxes. So there we go. And now we get to rate him and see how he compares to Darius the Great, of course. Oh, <laughs> <You know>. <laughs> <laughs> and also lesser people. I see. But we'll see. Okay, so first category is final moments. He died eh, peacefully. Peacefully in bed, which, like, good for him. Yeah. But it won't give him many points in this category, sadly. Although I'm always I mean, happy He didn't to get murdered the many times yeah. at the beginning when he was. Yeah. I guess you could give him one point for the unlikeliness that he yeah. would have died a natural death. Yes, I'm actually happy I'm that, like, he, point. he made it. One point. That sounds good. Okay, so... One point in one point gives him one point out of ten for final moments. Next category is battle hardness. How good was he at fighting and stuff? He didn't do much of the fighting himself. Yeah, he didn't do much of the fighting, but he knew how to delegate to Megabizus, let's say. Well, yes, but, but are we rating Megabizus right now? Are we? Huh? No. Because I'd like to. Megabizus but, was under but this orders. Is not... Yeah, because he was lucky. <laughs> Like, who was it yeah. who had Belisaurus in the Roman Oh, uh, Justinian. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Or like with um, the cool friend of Caesar or of Augustus. Agrippa. I always forget. Agrippa. 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 Just having... If you have Agrippa at your side, it's like, I mean, he's so f cool. I want to rate him, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. But yeah, I think it counts because, come on. Cyrus had Harpagus. Uh, yeah. We raided okay, Cyrus. Okay. Come on. Okay. Yeah, it's the one episode where, like, if we don't count it here, we just don't count it. Because for some reason, Megabizus didn't get to be king. 
Which good for Artaxerxes. Megabyzus was just too nice. Yeah. So just to summarize a bit of Artaxerxes' campaigns, uh, he defeated his brother in Bactria. Uh Then he sent Megabyzus to win against the Egyptians. So managed to retake Egypt. He lost a few naval engagements with the Athenians, which was kind of a pain. As you do now, if you're Persian, I guess. Yeah. That's our thing. Yeah. And also there were some skirmishes with Athens and Anatolia, which were a bit of a back and forth. Yeah. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Eh. It's nothing too impressive, but it's not anything disastrous either. Oh, also he lost two separate battles against Megabyzus when he rebelled. Yes. That's... In the bad column. They only stopped because Artaxerxes had the upper hand in that both his mom had caused the problem and his sister was the wife of Megabyzus. Yeah. And so he could be like, hey, go tell him. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. I honestly, like, see, Megabyzus could have taken the throne. I'm team, oh, I think totally team Megabyte. Hashtag Team Megabyte. I'm totally on his side again. Yes. And it's so weird that he's the son of Zapyrus. Who and he yeah. was uh, and he's the grandson of the Megabyzus that was with Darius to kill oh Bardia. Gosh. Megabyzus is so cool. I love him. Excellent. But rating Artaxerxes, uh, I'm true. a couple points because he knew how to choose Megabyzus and send him. Yes, and then the rest was like no major battle that he won that was super decisive, and like he lost some, he won some. Eh, I, I guess feel like the rest two. is average. Yeah, you're going for two in total. Yeah. Okay, so two and two makes four out of 20 for battle hardness, which, fair enough. God, you reminded me of Agrippa, and now I'm like, that was so cool. (laughs) Sorry. Agrippa is really cool. Okay, enough simping for Agrippa. (laughs) This is a Persian podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Don't at me, guys. Leave me alone. Uh, Agrippa, Agrippa, call me. Okay, so next category is scheminess. How good was he at schemies? Uh, I mean, the max sort of? was sending Megabyzus's wife to, like, apologize was kind of, yeah, a good move. And then just with the Athenians and Spartans just being like, I'll wait until things happen. Apart from that, that's just, like, a bit of strategy. It's not really... He's also forgetting the most crucial part at the start of his reign when he ended up dealing with Megabyzus to murder the captain of the guard, Artabanus. And basically what? get himself out of that manipulation. Uh, I guess. Um, true. <laughs> true. Um. Also, it depends how much you think he was fooled by Artabanus exactly. in having to kill his brother. So I, or I not. also think Megabyzus knew, like, obviously, Megabyzus is, is said to have known. And it wasn't really like, oh, we're going to stalk him and then murder him. It was like, you know, hey, I don't trust you. Sword, sword. You know. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, I guess that counts towards scheminess. But then I'll give him yeah. one point for each. So three points total. Three points total. Uh, I'll give him four for the possibility that maybe he could have orchestrated the murder of Xerxes. It's a possibility. Arthur Xerxes? I mean, you know, he ended up killing everybody involved in the plot. You think so? It hadn't even crossed my mind the possibility <sighs> that it was him from the very beginning. I mean, I understand him seeing the possibility, and also I understand him not wanting to die, but I don't... 
Okay, fine. Then three. I accept yeah. you. You've talked me down to it. It like, is a bit of a stretch. Maybe it is what happened. I mean, it would make for a much more interesting story, honestly. Here's the Just rise. Everyone's story. trying to double cross each other. Literally nobody <laughs> is straightforward. Perfect. Okay, so three and three makes a six out of 20 for skeediness. Excellent. Next, we have shock factor. How shocking was he? Uh, sort of. I mean, he murdered his brother. Yes, but also, was you know, he was fearing for his life and his father yeah. had just been killed and, you know, as you would. Then his other brother rebelled against him, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, also, he kept screwing over Megabizus. He broke Megabizus' yeah. deal. Also, then Honestly, he had yes, Megabizus exiled The most shocking thing about that. Artaxerxes is that he would just not let Megabizus do his thing, even though he was so good. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you, my lad? <laughs> yeah, it's nothing massive. He's just, he's a bit of a pushover, but that's uh, not. I don't think I'd give him any points. I don't think there was nothing anything Nothing at shocking. all, really? I mean, I wasn't I'd shocked him... during the episode. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I guess... I'm definitely giving a point for Megabizus. I'm wondering if to give him two. Yeah. Maybe one for Megabizus. I'm wondering if to give him two for his brother, but... Uh, no. I'm going for one. I'll give him a two. So, so two, you're getting a one? Yes. Okay, so two and one gives him three points out of 20 for shock factor. Next category is Eren Shine. How good was he for the <laughs> oh. Empire? Did he improve it? Did it get worse? Did it not? Well... Let's go in chronological order, roughly. Yes. So first of all, he managed to keep the Empire in his dynasty. By killing Artabanus at the appropriate time, he didn't manage to lose the Empire. So, points there. Next, he managed to suppress a revolt in Egypt. He has been continuing some of Xerxes' building work, so essentially finishing... Yeah, I like that. What was... was The little palace and everything. Yeah, exactly. He managed to get a peace deal with Athens, which lasted him for a while, which I guess it's sort of halfway because it was a little bit embarrassing, but hey, it stops them from raiding your coasts, I guess. Mm-hmm. But on the downside, he has a reduced number of satrapies and the edges are slipping. Like It's nothing massive, it's nothing terrifying, but it's sort of fraying at the edges a little bit. Mm-hmm. And also we get a large-scale rebellion by Megabizus himself, so that's... Yeah. It's oh, not ideal that you have a noble that can fight you and win. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd... Is a five, like, a middle? Not really, because then we can't, like... You know, we just give a zero if everything goes terribly. We do not give negative points, which I feel we should at some point. If, like, people are losing the whole empire, I'm going to have the urge to give them negative uh, points. We can think about it. I, yeah, I think zero is good. I'll give positive points in the sense of he didn't lose most of the empire, but the edges are a bit like, eh, this is still part, this is not, we lost this little city, you know. So it's kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing with Megabizos was kind of scary, but like, I mean, he got under control, so. On all the cultural projects, which, you know, I mm-hmm. adore, so. I'd go for like a three. You're hanging yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more optimistic. I'd go for a four. I think five would be you keep the empire as you received it. Yes. I think it's a little bit worse off that it's the edges are fraying, but I don't think it's that much worse off. But the Athenians. Yeah, but they're not. (laughs) The damned Athenians. Athenians. We'll get to see what happens to them. Shake my fist at the Athenians. 
No, I'm sticking with my four. I think it was okay holding things sort of together. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Mm. So you're going for three and I'm, I'll do a four. I think it's a good mix, yes. Okay, so with a seven out of 20, Artaxerxes is not great. He's our second worst Achaemenid after Bardia or Erenshine. But eh, we kind of expected that. Yeah. Like you said, the Golden Age might be finishing, might be ending. So Yeah, we're going into a little bit of a downer compared to the apex of Darius and Xerxes. Sauntering vaguely downwards. Yeah, exactly. Not a fall, it's a vaguely saunter downwards. Okay, so next category is Face of Faces, where you get to show us what you think this man looks like. Oh no, the drawing. (laughs) Okay, wait, let me get my things. Okay, so let me open Serial's drawing. Let me see. Oh no. (laughs) Okay, very nice. This shows Artaxerxes in his youth. He looks very nice. He has nice curling messy hair on him. A nice short beard because he's a teenager. He has a sign that says specifically still in his PJs. So good to know. (laughs) Because this was like in the middle of the night, right? And Artaxerxes has a bloody dagger, which has apparently just finished killing his brother Darius, just down below, whose hand is reaching upwards in his last moments of sadness. And also, just putting a hand on Artaxerxes' shoulder is a bonus megabytes, looking very serious and having a glorious beard and mustache, as he should. As he should. Yes. Yes. So thank you very much, Sarah, for that. And now let's see what he looks like actually. Okay, so here we have two different depictions of him. One of them is from his tomb, which we can see here, where it looks like a typical king. Yeah, with the bow. Yes, and another one is from the Uffizi Museum in Florence, where somebody decided they wanted to paint Artaxerxes in the Renaissance. Ah. Cool. So if you will describe the tomb one, which is the official one and... The Renaissance one. The contemporary one. Yes. Right. It's a relief. It's a relief on stone, as we've usually seen. Also in profile, he's carrying a bow, as you know, we've learned as a symbol of kings, a cool hat and a beard, and a cool tunic-like flowy stuff over his arm. And yeah, it looks uh, like the typical representation at the time of a royal figure, honestly. Yeah, it's not especially distinctive for him unfortunately it's not in as good condition as others that we've seen so far because well it's exposed to the elements so fair enough two thousand years of time will do that to you so this is what our man artaxerxes looks like are you impressed i'm not especially impressed (laughs) mostly because well a it's it's just very stylized doesn't have much character you know like darius standing over his enemies or something like that Mm. he's just He's there. He's a standard king. Nothing too yeah, eccentric. Yeah, not too impressed. It's contemporary, so that's nice, but... Yeah. Eh. I'd go for a three. I was also thinking three. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good uh, good score. So, three and three gives him a 1.5 out of five for face of faces, making him apparently the least attractive Achaemenid. So there we go. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. And finally, we have lengthiness. How long do you think this man reigned? Well, he started at 18 and he died at 62. So, if I'm correct, 
or at six, no, at seven, uh, uh, <laughs> 72. He died at around 60. 60. Right. So 42 years of reign. Yeah, close. It seems like the dates are a hey. bit murky all around, but the ones that we so have are 41 years from 465 to yeah, 424. Okay. So that makes him the longest ruling Achaemenid wow. and the longest ruling Impressive. person we've had so far that we're sure existed. Only Diakis oh. passes him, but it's Diakis. Come on. Very incredible. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, so good job Artaxerxes on surviving yeah. that long. Which gives us a lengthiness score of 4.1 out of 5. Which brings us to the final score. The final score of Artaxerxes the first, Macrocaer, the long-handed Ooh, yeah. one. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> is 26.6 out of 100. Just okay. three points above Bardia. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so he's the third last that we've had so far. He is before Fraortes and Bardia. Yeah. Which, I guess it feels a bit harsh, but everybody else was so talented <laughs> that it feels yeah. appropriate. Honestly, let's just rate Megabyte next time. <laughs> <laughs> next time, let's just skip everything. Let's just say, Megabyte says, here you are, go. Yes. Oh yeah, so I can assume what your answer will be to the next question. Do you think he is interesting enough, no. fascinating enough to be a Shahanshah? <laughs> or just a Shahanshah? Um, sorry. Um, yeah. It was fine. It was fine. You did yeah. okay. I'm very impressed that you managed to stay in power and things didn't go to sh**. Like, don't get me wrong, I've had fun during the episode and such, but yeah. Yeah, so I agree as well. So Artaxerxes I is unfortunately a Shahanah. He could head off into the desert where he exiled Megabizus. And can we, like, get Megabizus back? Do you want can to give Megabizus him? a special yes. seat at the palace? Yes. Let's give can Megabizus we? a special seat at the palace. Excellent. Where he can watch what happens at the end. Good job, Megabizus. <laughs> You're in the VIP seats for now. Woo. We've just made them up, but they exist now. Yeah, there they are. Yeah, so Artaxerxes can go to Bardia, who is the last Shahana, and they can compare yeah. what it's like to have a super short or super long reign and what it feels like. Okay, so that is all for this week. Yeah, awesome. Join us next time for Xerxes II. See, does he live up to his grandfather? Is the succession mm. going to be stable this time? Something tells me it might Are not. Are the Athenians going to mess everything up? We don't yeah. know. Let's find out. Oh, yes. Now we're with the war with Sparta and Athens. I am so excited. Okay. Yes, we get to we'll see, see how, how that, that goes. goes. Who's going to win? We don't know. Tune in next week, then. Make sure to check out Noblesse Oblige if you want to find Indeed. out more about cool Nobel Prize winners. We'll link it below. All right. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.